Well, anyone here love tells us, which is to let us run. Anybody here? I know there's a few of you. Who likes to run? Look around. I see one and a half people. Okay. Well, I'm in the right place because that's about how much I like to run too. One and a half percent. I don't like running. You probably don't like running either. Uh, so what's interesting, that's exactly what this guy, he's, we don't know his name, the author to the book of Hebrews tells us. He says, let us run. Let us run this race. And we're like, we don't like running. So we're off to a bad start. So do we have a choice in this? No, not really. So th this is a story or a scripture of imagination. It puts us in a place, it shows us where we are in this place already. And it shows us that we already are in this race. Right? Does that make sense? We're already running a race, whether we like it or not. Some of us want to stop, go on to another racetrack, but we're on a race. If we are followers of Jesus, we are all running this race. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. So as we read this text, let's use some imagination and think of ourselves as runners. So turn in your epistle or your bulletin to Hebrews, almost the very end of it that Ken read, Hebrews chapter 12. And there's a whole bunch that comes up before it, right? There's all these people who, by faith, sat around. No, of course not. By faith, they actively and daring did stuff. They were busy doing stuff by faith. So sometimes we think, well, someone has in their hearts, and that's it. Well, we know that's not true. Since they believed it in their hearts, they're in this, what we call a hall of fame, doing stuff by faith. So that's the, the context. And so all that, that that Ken read leads us up to this and it says, tells us that we should run. So whether you like it or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are uh, belong to him, you're running the race. All right. So I want you to use your imagination as we run through this. So first question, if I were thrust into a 5k, I know uh, one of my daughters likes to run 5ks sometimes. If I was forced to run a 5k, like maybe some of you, I'd want to know a few things about this race, right? What would you like to know if you had to run the 5K? What's that? Is it uphill? <laughs> Answer is yes, both ways. What? What stop is at the end? What stuff is at the end? Am I going to get a mug at the end of this 5K? Uh, am I going to get some hot cider? Some of you want to run and get a beer? What's that? Is there emergency? Yes. Did you catch that? Is there emergency personnel? Yeah, that's, that's the most important one for some of us, right? I need someone to cart me out of there when I'm finished. Well, we want to know a bunch of stuff. So one of the questions that I, that I have here is, well, I don't like running. Who is going to be watching? Who's going to be watching me kind of run, right? You might be nervous if it was a whole crowd of people watching you run. You're even worse than just off by yourself in the morning at 5.30, right? I can do this. But what if there was tons of people watching you? Well, that's the, that's the picture we get here. Take a look at verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, Since, or therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The picture here, you're in a racetrack, track and field, and there's people lining the stadiums. A great cloud of witnesses. All right? Tons and tons of people. Now, or how do you feel? Not so good, right? You're going to 
throw up and, and go in the locker room. No, you're not going to like it. The, the, different, the thing about this, though, who are these that are a great cloud of witnesses? It's the believers that Ken read about and all others who have gone on before us, right? Uh, and this is a mystery. We don't understand the mystery. We know that those who have fallen asleep in the Lord are at rest, um, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Um, but those in heaven, it's not, I like to say this, heaven's okay, but it's not the end of the world. Those souls in, in heaven, Revelation 13, they're saying, still in heaven, how long, O Lord? How long until the final end when I get my body, right? But it does say later in Hebrews, just this, this chapter, which you don't have printed, it says that when we gather here and we gather at this altar, among with us, besides angels, it's the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. It's the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So in some mysterious way that we cannot fathom, we run this race with the people of God who've gone before us, witnessing to us, encouraging us, telling us, go, you can do it, right? You ever imagine that, mm-hmm. right? You, we all need encouragement. And so the first thing that this author says is there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. And you're going to need that okay, as we run this, this, this life. So who's watching is all these people. And let me just take an aside. This is not from Hebrews. From our other texts, sometimes there's other people watching and they are not cheering us on. Can you all think of someone who's not cheering you on to be a Christian? Maybe. That's what it says. Our psalm said that it was former people of God that we used to walk together and now you're against me. So sometimes it's those that we had fellowship with. Sometimes, as Jesus says in our gospel reading, sometimes even those in our family were divided against, right? Because they're not people of peace. Okay, sometimes it's, as, as we read in Jeremiah, it's false prophets who tell us lies. So it's not all like everyone's cheering us on. We know that, right? But the author says there are people cheering you on, those saints of God who've gone on before. That should sort of comfort us and encourage us, right? Let's read the next sentence. It's um, th- th- this question. You got to run a 5K or a 10K or a 1,000K. Doesn't sound like fun, but what's going to make it easier? Good friends to run with. Good friends to run with, yeah. <laughs> the right shoes. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I joined track just so I could uh, stay in shape for basketball, uh, which is a lousy reason to join track. And then I joined the uh, Montana Army National Guard, and they gave me some stuff to run with. Um, pair of combat boots, which I don't understand at all, and then a big pack, 60 pounds, and I was supposed to run with those things. And I'm like, this is horrible, right? I'm going to go back to you know, high school track so much easier. Why? I got rid of that stuff. I got rid of that 60-pound pack. I got rid of those combat boots that are so uncomfortable. So here the author says, as we're running, let us also lay aside every weight. Every weight. And so I want you to imagine what weights do you run with? Now, I think the author, and I'll just suggest this, isn't talking about the sins you do. He'll mention that in a moment. But obviously we sin sometimes against God, but sometimes against others. So some of the weight that we often carry is the sin that others have done to us, the things that people have done to hurt us. And that's a weight as you carry it. And you know this, if you've ever forgiven someone for something they've done, something horrible, when you actually forgive or go through the process of forgiving, that weight is it's a relief to not have that weight on you. Amen? 
And so some of us, the God is still working on to drop those weights. The next thing he says is think about your shoes. Now, I mentioned combat boots, but what if you had your shoes were all, this wasn't the case in the, uh, at this time, there was no shoelaces, but what if your shoelaces were tied together? Ready, set, go. What's going to happen? Right? You're going to shuffle along, or if you get in a big hurry, you're going to fall over on your face, right? And then you could just stay there crying. Or get back up and then shuffle along some more. This is great. I'm really making progress. No, what are you going to do? You're going to untie your shoelaces. If they're so intertwined you can't, you've got to cut them off, right? You've got this race to run. You're not going to just hobble along with your feet tied together. That's what the author here says. He says, lay aside not only the weight that bears us down, but also sin which clings so closely. And that, that word there means easily ensnared, right? So the sin that would ensnare us. So here's the, here's the thought. Sometimes sin will keep us from finishing the, the line, right? We know this people who have uh, grievously gone against their conscience no longer have faith. Those things are at war with each other. So if we indulge in sins and violate our conscience over and over, the Bible says we can sear our conscience and we're no longer on the path anymore. Right? And so we, we've seen that. We've experienced that. And so the author says, get rid of that. Lay aside any sin that you can. And that call, it's a call to us for repentance, confession, and, and, and changing our ways. And that, so that's, you know, that's who's watching what can make it easier? Drop that stuff. And then it goes on and says, what mindset do you need to run? And Melissa mentioned this. Uh, to get through this race, I need other people running with me, right? Who would only run a 5K if you had like five friends or two friends? Who would not run a 5K by yourself ever? All right. Who might run if you had some friends? You guys just don't want to run. I know that, but okay. <laughs> well, that's the mindset we need to have is this. Let us run. It's not that complicated. It doesn't say, go ahead and run. It says, let us run. So we think about it here. We have 50 other people. These are fellow runners towards Jesus, right? Let us run. And sometimes we see people falling behind or getting tripped up or having a weight they're carrying. Sometimes it's our job, responsibility out of love is to help them. Let us run. It's also a mindset that, yeah, I am going to do this, okay? Then it says, let us run how? With endurance. And you all know this. If, if you ever trained for a marathon, it, you got to build it up and you got to keep on going even when you feel like quitting. Sometimes we're going to feel like quitting, right? Christian life. Endurance, the word literally means this. Remain under or under live. Live under. Sometimes we're called to things to live under that we can't get rid of. As Paul said, like they had a thorn in his flesh. Sometimes you have to live with certain things. So we're supposed to run. Let us run with endurance. Don't give up. And then lastly, it says the race that's set before us. We're supposed to run the race that's set before us. So the word here for race, and I don't, don't mean to throw out a lot of different things, but the Greek word there is agona, which is very close to agony. It's the word where we get agony. It, back then it stood for the whole racetrack. It stood for the race itself. But let us run the agony that's set before us. Does that give it a different mindset? Are you going to have to go through hard times in your life? Are you going through hard times in your life? Yeah. Keep on going. That's what he says. All right. Well, that's good. And impossible. Unless we do the next thing.
right? We can't on our own just remember the saints of God to help us keep going. We can't just uh, decide we're going to do it. We can't get rid of the sins that tie us up. We can't get rid of the weights that bear us down. We can't run the right race the right way on our own unless we do this, looking to Jesus. Some of you might have a translation that I love, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it has this idea of whatever you were looking at, don't look at that anymore. Don't look at the saints. Don't pray to them for help. You can learn from them. Don't look at the weight that bears you down, that thing that is hard to forgive. Don't look and concentrate on the sins that tie you up. Don't look at your own efforts to run. What does it say? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Well, why? What's so good about Jesus? Well, this is why you're here, right? Because of Jesus. He's our founder and perfecter, it says in this version, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Other times, the author and finisher of our faith, right? So think about all the great companies out there, great countries. Name some founders of some great companies. Edison. Ford, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, Westinghouse, yeah, George Washington. All these are great founders, right? There, where are they now? They're all dead, right? Someone else is finishing their work that they started. Sometimes well, sometimes not so well. With Jesus, it's different. He not only has started this faith that we have, he's going to finish it, right? He is, and let me just remind you, and you all know this, our faith, Christianity, is so different than everything else in the world, every other religion and philosophy. And you all know this, but let me just emphasize it. Christianity, other religions say, do. Do this, do that. It's a do-do stuff, right? Be the good. Keep the commandments. Be a nice person. Give away money. Whatever it is. Do these things and it'll make you a better person. Christianity, you know, is done. That's the difference. So that's our faith that we believe, Jesus. But there's also faith, there's also faith that, that's in our heart that we believe, the faith that we have. And so just a quick, you all know Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 9. It says that Jesus is the author of our faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Where'd you get your faith? Jesus. He gave it to you. If you believe in Jesus, that's a gift. He gave it to you. What about the finisher part? Can Jesus handle getting you across the finish line? Absolutely, right? Uh, Philippians 1.6, you can look that up, says um, that he will bring it to completion uh, at his day, the day of Jesus Christ. All right, so that's why we look to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. But then it goes on, and it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Did you hear that? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Usually, if chapter 1 is execution, you're not going to look forward to chapter 2. Right? If you're about to be executed, you're not looking forward to that, to what's on the other side, because you're dead. But not so with Jesus. Why was he looking forward to it? To go back to heaven? Yeah, in, in a way. Was he already full of joy in heaven? Come on, guys, you got to help me out. Was Jesus full of joy in heaven before he came down? Yes. So why did he come down? What was he looking forward to? Just getting back there? 
No, bring in all of us with him. That's the joy that was set before Jesus, to bring us with him in glory. All right? That is the beautiful thing that Jesus was doing, that he was looking forward to. For the joy set before him endured the cross. And he endured it. He could have gotten off the cross at any time. He could have called down a thousand angels or legions of angels. He, he could have come down from the cross unlike anybody else. He chose to stay there. And why? Because despising the shame, this text says. Another word for despising the shame is not thinking much of the shame. Not being afraid of the shame. Disregarding the shame. Jesus took our shame on the cross so that we have no more shame. And he thought little of it. He's like, I'm getting through that. I'm going to do it because I love them. Right? He thought little of it. It didn't let him stop him. All right? And then finally, why do we look to Jesus? Because he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He alone is the one who has finished this race. And he alone is the one who can bring us across. All right? So, because he sits at the right hand of God, that doesn't mean a place. That means a position of power. Because he has a position of power, he can be God's king for us and reign for us and give us everything we need. He can be God's prophet for us through his word to speak everything we need. He can be God's priest for us to tell us to bear our sins before the Father. And so just one verse uh, from the previous chapter of Hebrews, it says this, Christ has entered heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. He sits at the right hand of God and he's not just hanging out. He bears our sins before the Father. He takes care of us. That is good news. So as we wrap up, as I said, this is a text of... That's for you, Pat. As we wrap up, Pat gives me a hard time because I say I'm wrapping up. He's like another 10 minutes, uh, which is fine. As we wrap up, take this text with you and make it your prayer. Lord, what can I learn from this great cloud of witnesses who by faith did stuff, who believed you, no matter what they saw with their eyes? Lord, what are those weights that weigh me down? How can I un unladen myself? What do I need to do? Do I need to tell someone I'm sorry or tell someone I forgive you? Lord, what sins wrap me up? And how can I get help for those sins? What do I need to do to not get stuck and fall over? Lord, what mindset do I have? Think I'm running by myself. Help me to know I'm running with brothers and sisters. Who needs help? What help do I need? And mostly, God, help me. What does it mean to fix my eyes on Jesus in the midst of all the things I have to endure? What did you endure for me, Lord Jesus? And what do you do as you reign for me? So those are just things to take with you and think about. I know the sermon was a bit long, but it's a great text, and I encourage you to take it with you and um, make it your own. All right? In the name of Jesus, amen.